If you have not been with us in a while, or maybe this is your first time, we have uh, been walking through the book of 1 Corinthians together. Uh, we are now in uh, week 8. We're going to be in uh, chapter 13 uh, this morning. So if you're one of those that like to be prepared, you go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. Uh, before we dive in, I just want to read just a quick story, a true story that, that took place uh, several uh, years ago that kind of just helps us lead into what we're going to be talking about uh, this morning. There's a story about an actor who played the part of Jesus in the great passion play years ago. It's a true story. It says, as he carried the cross up the hill, a tourist uh, began heckling and making fun of him and shooting insults at him. Finally, the actor had taken all he could take. So he threw down the cross walked over to the tourist and punched him in the face. After the play was over, the the director told him, I know he was a pest, but what you did is not okay. Besides, you were playing the part of Jesus, and Jesus never handled himself that way. So please don't do that again. The man promised he would never do that again, but the very next day, the heckler was back and worse than before. And finally, the actor exploded and once again punched the man. The director said, that's it, we have to fire you. We just can't have you behaving this way while playing the part of Jesus. The actor begged, please give me one more chance. I really, really need this job, and I promise I can handle it if it happens again. So the director gave him some grace and, and decided to give him one more chance, and the very next day he was carrying his cross up the street. Sure enough, the same heckler was there once again. You could tell the actor was really trying to control himself, but it was about to get the best of him. He was clenching his fist and grinding his teeth. Finally, he looked at the heckler and said, I'll meet you after the resurrection. (laughs) Some of you got that, some of you didn't. Many times it's hard uh, for us to respond in a Christ-like manner, in different circumstances and situations. Amen? It seems many times to work against our natural instincts, many times. And as we continue our study this morning in the book of 1 Corinthians, as Paul is writing this letter to the church in Corinth, we, we discovered that this was a problem the church was having. They were Christians, and Paul makes that very clear. But what they were and how they acted didn't always agree. What about for you? Too often they were anything but Christ-like. Last week we discovered in chapter 12, we we were talking about spiritual gifts, the significance of of spiritual gifts, and spiritual gifts are a special (laughs) ability Uh, distributed by the Holy Spirit to every Christ follower according to God's design and grace for the common good of the body of Christ. We talked about that that spiritual gifts, they find themselves uh, in oneness and they're distributed by God himself. And and we we really looked at what the difference is between a talent and a spiritual gift. And we talked about how we're all created with talent. Whether you know Christ or you don't know Christ, we're all gifted, or I should say talented in different areas. Some of you 
Some of you paint. Some of you can play a music instrument. Some of you are just uh, good communicators. And, and, and the list goes on and on and on. And we all have different talents. And God's Word specifically says that talents, even talents, are given from God to be used to glorify God. And we know that talents can be used uh, for many different things. It says that all good things come from God. And we made the distinction that talents are for everyone, but spiritual gifts are for those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. And it says that the Holy Spirit gives those to every believer. Let me say that again. Every believer has spiritual gifts. Now, some of us are like, man, I'm still trying to figure that out. I I don't know what that is. And we said, hey, we want to give you just a a small token of a tool about taking a spiritual gift test. It's just a starting point, all right? But don't box yourself in because those things can be skewed, all right? Depending on how you answer the question, and you can be the best evangelist in the world, or you can be the worst evangelist in the world, right? Just depending on how that works. But it's just a good starting point to say, hey, God, what, what are some ways that, that you want to use me? What are some spiritual gifts that you've given me? And I love that the Bible says that spiritual gifts are not given to us to benefit us. Spiritual gifts are given so that it can benefit the person sitting next to you. And the person sitting next to you. It's, it's, it's given to benefit the common good of the church. And we talked about how many of us are gifted in many different areas. And I'm very thankful for that because some of you are gifted in areas that, that I have no giftedness in. And then vice versa. And those gifts are being used for us to work in unison to build up the body of Christ. And we talked about how many times when we don't play our part... We all lose. Here's what I mean by that. Many of us are gifted in different areas, and we know God wants to use us in those areas. But for reasons of uh, some good, some bad, whatever the situation is, sometimes we don't want to step up and be used of God and use those spiritual gifts. So what happens is, is those who have maybe spiritual gifts in another area try to take up the slack and do something that you've been called to, that God has designed you to take up and to be used of Him. And what happens is we have a cycle that we all have a hard time with him. God says, no, I've, I've given you all spiritual gifts to be used of God. But what's happening here in 1 Corinthians is the church was using these spiritual gifts in a wrong manner. Just like we can use talents however we see fit, the church was using the spiritual gifts to glorify themselves. And it was causing a lot of friction. It was causing a lot of problems. And, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the very last verse there This this is what Paul says. He says, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. So here's what Paul is saying in a nutshell. Don't take what I'm about to say and disregard spiritual gifts because because spiritual gifts are, are a huge thing. They are a benefit to the church, but be careful that you use these spiritual gifts in a way that honors God, because the church had gotten to the point, they had gotten so far off that they were using their spiritual gifts, and they were they were celebrating sin in, in the church, and they literally were, were celebrating, like, man, good job! I mean, I, I can't imagine the church becoming that way, but it is so easily when we detach ourselves from the things of God, and we start living out in our own strength. 
we start living out in our own strength. And Paul says, there's, there's one big thing that you're missing. There's one big thing that you are missing because Paul says there is an excellent way. Some people are like, excellent way? Like, usually I'm the terrible way. Or, or maybe the mediocre way or, or defeated way in my life. And Paul says, I want to show you from God's Word an excellent way that you and I can live as Christ followers. So here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to read 1 through 7 and come back just for a few minutes and unpack that together, all right? Are you all ready? All right, some of you are ready. Here we go. If I speak human or angelic languages, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then some scriptures that most of you might even know by heart. Verses 4 through 7, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7, it always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we come to you this morning. And Father, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. God, I pray that you would challenge us. Lord, I pray that you would humble me before you, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would be more of you and less of me this morning. God, I pray, God, that you would do what only you can do, that you would meet us right where we are, Father. Thank you for this time. And all God's people say, Amen. Paul brings up to the church of Corinth here. He says, man, you've all been gifted. You've all been giving these spiritual gifts as Christ followers. But something is missing. And what we know here in Scripture, it says that, that love is missing. And all through the New Testament, there's actually different types of love. Maybe you knew that. Maybe you didn't. Different descriptions of what, what love is. The first love that Scripture talks about is, is like an attractional love. Maybe, maybe uh, someone who's dating or maybe a husband and wife would say, hey, you know, you know, I love her because, man, she's just hot. Or my wife, she's just hot. I mean, I'm, I'm a, there's an attractional love there, all right? And here's, here's the good thing about attractional love is it brings people together. Here's the bad thing about attractional love. The longer you're together, that attractional love kind of goes away sometimes, amen? Because I'm getting larger. I'm getting grayer. And many times when we have only the attractional love, when that attraction goes away, we're looking for another best thing to fill that void. Alright? The next type of love that Scripture talks about is, is, is someone who are like-minded. Maybe you have some buddies, maybe you have some friends, and the reason you like each other, you like hanging out with you with each other, is because maybe you both enjoy 
uh, doing the same type of hobby. Maybe you love going fishing together, or, or you love uh, shopping together, or, or whatever that looks like for you. All right, And, and, and that kind of love is, is kind of what brings you together. All right, All of these things, are they're, they're good. All of these loves are, are, are a very good thing, especially in relationships. But the kind of love that, that, that Paul is speaking here is a word that most of you know. It's called agape love. Now, agape love is unconditional love. Now, here's the, here's the good thing about agape love, and here's the, the bad thing about agape love. Agape love is not natural for you and for me. I, I don't have agape love just to give. Agape love comes from God because His unconditional love for us and as he bestows, as he gives the, the agape love to Christ followers or to anyone who believes in him and surrenders their life before him, that agape love fills our lives and now we are able to hand off, so to speak, or give agape love to others. You understand? And so what Paul is saying here, he's, he's not just kind of throwing the word love out all the time. We're like, oh yeah, I love this, you know, and I, I love that movie, I love that sports team, or, or whatever the situation is. It's a much deeper understanding of, of what love really is here. Because what happens even as Christ followers, and what's happening here in the church, although the church understands and they're receiving that agape love that God offers them, they had stopped giving it to others because they had withdrawn from the things of God and they started even using the good things, even spiritual gifts, to bring glory to themselves. And so do you see what the problem is going on here? It's easy to slip into that. Many times, even as a church, and many times you find yourselves asking the question, and maybe you have in your life, how did I end up here? Anybody ever asked that question before? How did that happen to that person's life? Tell you a quick story. A couple of years ago, actually, it's been more than a couple of years ago, I served on staff at a church down in, uh, I'll just say Texas. Um, and there was this, there was this young man on staff, and he was someone I really looked up to. He was probably. One of the most gifted people that I've ever been around. I mean, he was an amazing speaker. I mean, just able to take God's word and dissect it and, and deliver it in a way that I, that I mean, everyone could understand. Whether you were the, the smartest guy in the room or not the smartest guy in the room, and, and his eloquence and the way he delivered the message was just amazing. He had a he had an awesome wife. They loved the Lord. They had adopted a child, had their own child. I mean, it was it was kind of like the perfect family. You know what I mean? And one day, this particular gentleman in the family felt like God was asking them to go to another country and start a church. Man, it was just, I mean, it was just a, a, just a neat fit how God was just working and moving. And everyone was like, man, just the faithfulness of God and the obedience of God working in their lives. And so this family goes to this particular country and they, they start a church and God starts moving. It's, it's a place in the world where it's, it's very hardened to the gospel message. They knew they were in it for the long haul. And so they start gathering, and, and God starts bringing people. And God starts changing lives. And as a good friend I am, we kind of lost contact. Are you that kind of friend as well? I'm just going to be honest. It happens to me sometimes. I, I mean well, but sometimes I just don't deliver very well. And so God put it on my heart for, 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 for some reason or another, and I was studying for a... A sermon a couple of weeks ago, 
And I came across this particular gentleman's sermon that he had preached years ago, and I listened to it, just kind of just kind of got some just got encouraged, and he kind of kind of said some things. I never really thought of it that way. And anyway, long story short, I started thinking about it again. Like, where is this guy? You know, what's going on? I haven't heard from him for a while. And I so like any good person, you know, you get on Facebook, type their name in, you know, like he hadn't posted anything in like two years. Like, That's kind of weird, you know. And so I Google his name. Like, is he dead? I mean, I, I didn't know honestly. I really didn't know. And then I came across his wife's testimony that she had been published uh, through this church where they started, and I noticed that he wasn't the pastor anymore. And I'm thinking, okay, that's kind of, you know, what, what's going on here? And so I started investigating and figuring out what's going on there. And, and long story short, as I'm kind of reading her testimony of God doing this, God doing that, and, and then she kind of just spills the beans. You know, my husband comes home. And lets me know that he's been having an affair for all this long. He, he's 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 he had an addiction in, in all of these areas. Now, I gotta be honest with you, it, it rocked me. It did. And that same question that we ask so many times, like, like, how does that happen? How does how does that happen? How, how does someone who's who's doing all the right things and from the outside it looks it looks so good? It looks so right. He's checking all the boxes. He's preaching the word of God. Like how does someone find themselves in that situation where sin destroys them? I believe the answer is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I believe you and I, none of us are exempt from that in our lives. And that's why Paul is sternly talking to the church here. Like, man, I want, I want to tell you in love, but I want, to, I want to be honest with you. You're walking on dangerous ground. What you are doing, if you aren't careful, is going to destroy you, and it's going to destroy those around you. It will destroy the church if you are not careful. And I want to be honest, but I want to be truthful as well. You're missing love in your life. You're just going through the motions. It's become something that you don't even think about because you've gotten so good at it. You know that spiritual gift that God gave you? Now you're five years down the road. Now you've picked up on kind of how to do it in your own strength. Now you're just a good speaker. You don't even need to read or even think about it many times because it comes natural to you. It's become a talent to you now. And Paul just warns, be very careful. 1 Corinthians. I kind of lost my spot, just to be honest with you. Man. Wherever you are, we're going to, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to read that again. I speak human or angelic languages, but do not have love. I am only resounding God or clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And Paul goes on and speaks of what love is. Paul in verse 1 says that even if you have these types of gifts, you see the people had gotten to the point where they felt like 
they were above others because they had a specific gift, and they thought it was a special gift that was better than your gift. And they started to let people know. And Paul and Paul said, we need to be careful in that. He goes, because when you start thinking that way, pride starts seeping into your life. And when pride starts sleeping into your life, the fall is right around the corner. You better be careful when you get to that point. And here's what Paul says. Even though you're doing the right things and you sound eloquent and you're doing everything like you're supposed to, this is what it sounds like. That's just kind of fun to do, all right? (laughs) But rather than it being an edification and building up, it becomes annoying. Some of you are like, man, I'm like the guy on the cross. I'm about to break that stick if you do that again. <laughs> it's like a sounding gong. I couldn't find a gong, all right? I had a gong. But although we think we are doing the right thing, this is what people are hearing. That's annoying. That is distracting. If someone was continuing to do that, we would get nothing done whatsoever. Most of you would leave. So much for building up the church, we're scattering the church. Paul says, that's what your life looks like when you lose love in your life. And just remember where that love came from. Remember where that love came from. The use of our spiritual gifts used in a wrong manner can be a hindrance and a distraction not only to our lives but those around us verse 2 Paul goes and says I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all the knowledge and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love I am nothing you see, Paul uses a, a series of gifts that are based on knowledge, which reminds us of what we, he communicated earlier, that knowledge can easily lead to arrogance. Arrogance is a form of pride. You see, you can know everything there is to be known about philosophy, psychology, theology, but there's no agape love. It's worthless. Even if you have all the faith in the world, what God says here, or what Paul says here, without love, it isn't worth a thing. Not only that, in verse 3, look at that. It says, if I give all I possess to the poor, and that's some sacrifice right there, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. You see what Paul's getting at here? Like, we can go through the motion. Man, we, can, we can do the right things. We can look the part. We can be all of those things, but we can miss it all. If we do not have the agape love in our lives, and that is the one thing that flows through our acts of service, that flows through our spiritual gifts. Paul said, man, those are kind of secondary. Like those, are, those are great things. Those are good things. But you've got to understand this. If you miss a couple of you miss it all. If you miss Jesus, you've missed it all. As great as sacrifice is, as great as the gift of giving is without love, it is worthless. Time and time again, we talk about 
cheerful giving. People say, why don't y'all talk about tithing and offerings more? We want you to give out of what God's given you. Yes, be encouraged. I believe that's biblical. I believe God wants us to do that, to walk that out in our lives. But here's the thing. God doesn't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. That's what we desire, that we, we would give out of a cheerful heart. It's that same situation. <laughs> Just going through the motions is not enough. Just checking that box. That's not what God, God desires a relationship, not a, not a bunch of robots who just do things. God desires a relationship. Just as you desire a relationship with people beside you, with your kids, or, or whatever the situation is, we all desire that. And here's the thing, we've gotten to the point in our society, we've lost that. We've, we've, we've lost relationships, and many of us are doing life alone, and we wonder why we've, we've chose to do this, because we're seeking satisfaction, not from God himself, but from different things that try to fill us. It's because we've lost the art of doing church together. We've lost the art of doing life together. We've lost the art of, of fellowshipping together. Paul says, man, love is powerful. Love encompasses Many things. We're going to run through this pretty quickly. It says, love is patient. Verse 7, I mean, verse 4. Love is patient. Love can wait. You see, we give up way too easily. You see, we pray for things. And then if 23 minutes later, it's not answered, then we're out. We, we, we pray for, for relationships to be restored. We, we pray for this. We pray for that. And if it's not the outcome that we want, man, we just, we, we bail on things. It says, it says, love is patient. Love can wait. Love can be sustained. When is the last time you've been so committed to something that you're, you are in it? You are in it no matter the outcome, no matter what takes place. You are in it. I want to faithfully pray for the, for the salvation of this person. I want to, I want to faithfully pray for, for this or for that so that God would move in such a way. But we, I, be, I become so impatient that I start taking things in my own hands. Anybody else? Like, God, I want to see you move. You know, I'm kind of a godly person. I kind of know what to do. So I'm, just, I'm going to take the reins up. That's okay with you. And then we, then we wonder how did that take place. How did I get this outcome? I was following after God the whole time. He says, love is patient. Love is also kind. Anybody like to be around kind people? There's something about them. Some of you are kind. Actually, most of you are kind. I'm going to point out the ones who aren't. I'm totally kidding. There's something about this kindness. Kindness and miss. It's, it's that person who will just do anything for you. It's that person who's always, he's just got a smile. It's that person who encourages it. It's that person who will go the second mile. It's, it's that person you want to be around because there's just something about they're, they're just a kind person. It says love is kind. It says love does not envy. You see, love refuses to be caught in rivalries. Do you know churches can be rivalries? Two good things can be rivalries. Did you know that? It happens all the time. Two Christians can be rivalries. We say we're for the same purpose, for the same goal, but the reality that is we're about it ourselves. How big can I get? And what can I do for God? 
How can I pad my stats? How can I pad my resume? It was all for God. It's all for God. How do people view me? It says, love does not envy. Love does not boast. There was a missionary by the name of William Carey. He was a very, very bright young man. He served most of his life in the, in the country of India. He was so bright that he was able to translate parts of the Bible into about 34 different languages. Like, I'm doing good with English, all right? 34 different languages. Wow. That's amazing. He had been raised in a, in a simple home in England and his early, in early childhood worked as a, as a cobbler. And when he was in India, he was, he was ridiculed many times for his low birth. They had the caste system there, so depending on you know, where you grew up, they kind of treat you that way. You know, we don't ever do that here, I understand. But His former occupation was kind of low on the total pulse, so to speak. At a dinner party one evening, one man spoke with a local Indian guy. said, I don't understand. He goes, I understand, Mr. Carey, that you once worked as a shoemaker, which they thought was just a very low position. He goes, oh, no, oh, no, your lordship. I, I was not a shoemaker. I was only a shoe repairman. So you, you think, you're judging me, you're viewing me because of my low status of what I do. It's actually lower than you think, but it doesn't really matter. You see, William Carey understood it wasn't about him, it was about Christ. He understood it wasn't about promoting himself. He didn't, he didn't get an argument there. Well, actually, you know, let me, let, me, let me tell you the story here. He didn't care. Yeah, he was criticizing the situation, but he knew there was a bigger purpose. That was supposed to take place in his life there in India. And by the way, William Carey was one of the greatest evangelists ever known to man. God used him in mighty, mighty ways all over India. Love is, is not proud. Love is big-hearted, not big-headed. Love is not puffed up. Love is not in contention with others. Love does not pull others down. How are we doing so far? Two for five? One for five? Anybody kill it? Five for five right now? Love is, is not rude. Love does not dishonor. It's respectful. I know as parents we understand that very greatly. We're teaching our kids all the time the respect level. Or you should be teaching your kids that respect level. There's a story about a pastor that I read a couple weeks ago. He was driving down Main Street and somebody pulled out in front of him and I mean he just got I mean he got upset in a hurry. I mean it was a close call. He couldn't believe it. And so to make things right, he just rode this person's bumper, all right? Because they were not only did they pull out in front of him, but they were like going below the speed limit, all right? Anybody else irritated right now, okay? I mean I'm, I'm with this guy, okay? <laughs> I'm probably flashing my lights, too. <laughs> Driving down the road, he's just getting more and more irritated, getting angry at the situation, and it came to his pull-off, and he was upset very much so because this person pulled off the same place he was going. It was a church parking lot. <laughs> this guy was going to be preaching that morning. He says, it's so easy for us to get persuaded. It's so easy for us to get to a point where we lose what it means to, to have the love of Christ in our lives. It only... It doesn't take very much, amen? It doesn't take very much. 
Paul warns against. He must be rooted. He must be rooted in the things of God. When we are rooted in the things of God, our lives will be on display, and the love, the agape love, will be displayed to others. Love does not dishonor. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily anger. Push the button, anybody? Not easily anger. You see, it is not easily provoked into ungodly reactions. It is not easily provoked into unholy actions and activity. It never lets itself be controlled by anger. Maybe that's where you're struggling this morning. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. And the reason Paul wrote this is because the church had gotten so far off track, they were delighting in evil. They, they were literally celebrating sinful actions, wrongdoings amongst them. They, 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 weren't, they weren't celebrating truth any longer. And it all goes back to how does someone, how does a church get to the point where they where they get there? Some of us are asking the question this morning, like, I don't know. How did I get to this point? How did I find myself here? Just for those who are there right now, I just want to just confirm to you to keep you both that Christ meets us right where we are. Christ loves you right where you are. Agape love, unconditional love for you in this moment, in that, in that distraction, in that hurt, in that pain, in that point where you're asking in a desperate, desperate situation, how did I end up here? God wants to meet you right there, wants to restore that in you. Love always protects. There's nothing love really can't face. Many of us understand the protection there. Maybe a good friend, maybe a spouse, maybe kids. There's, any, there's, there's nothing that I wouldn't do to protect them. It's been told that you are usually the meanest pe- you, you're, you're usually meanest to the people that are closest to you, alright? One question, they'll forgive you, they'll just kind of go on, let's put up with you. But there's also that understanding that there's that protection. Like I, I would do anything. Like I, I, would, I would give my life for them, just as Christ gave his life for, for us. Like I would, I would protect them no matter what. That's what love is. I, I don't rejoice when things go wrong in their lives. My, my heart breaks for them, and how can I help restore their lives and their situation? I, I don't applaud when things go wrong. Because even as Christ followers... There's going to be times, the Bible says that if at all possible, we should be at peace with everyone. If at all possible, there's a reason it says that there's going to be times in your life where you go the extra mile, and then the extra mile, and then the extra mile, and for some reason or another, either that relationship was not mended, or whatever the situation is, or maybe there's still hatred towards you, there's going to be times where it's just not going to work. Paul says, man, just don't, just don't give up on it. The first day of the first week. Keep loving. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. 
Love always perseveres. The loveless person produces no fruit, is nothing, and gains nothing. You see, everyone here in this room, we can appear to be spiritual. We can be surrounded by religious things, but it is meaningless if there is no love in our lives. Throughout the years, there's been lots of people who have written songs about love. Some pretty unintelligent, honestly. What's love got to do with it? Don't start to say all right. What's love but a second-hand emotion? I can't help falling in love with you. You've lost that loving feeling. You see, this understanding of love is so deficient, the kind of love that we're talking about this morning. You see, this kind of love is fleeting. This kind of love goes when the gray hair starts. This kind of love goes when the pounds come on. This kind of love goes when you make me mad. This kind of love goes when you stop liking what I like. This kind of love is fleeting. But agape love is unconditional love. And what that means is our desire is to follow after God, but the reality of it is you're going to stumble and fall. You're going to make a mistake. He's also going to be honest when you continue to do the same thing over and over again and you know it's wrong. Just like any good father, just like any good mother, there's going to be discipline that takes place in our lives. You see, we don't like discipline. We like to run from discipline. Let's be honest. Discipline is good. Discipline is healthy. Discipline is a display of love in our lives. Whether or not we think it's good at the moment or not, we're thankful when it takes place. Agape, love, Paul closes it out and says, this is, this is how you live an excellent way. Let love abound in your life. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're struggling with, with many. Maybe you're struggling with some. Maybe some of us this morning, we're struggling with all of them. Like, I'm 13 for 13. I nailed it. Like, I'm, I'm just... I want to pray that you just allow God just to speak into your life. Take some time to allow God just to just, just to hear from Him, get in His Word, so that we also can display love to those around us. Let's pray together, Father. We uh, we come before you this morning. Your Word tells us that. There is an excellent way to live our lives, Father. God, that's showing your love in all aspects of our lives. God, I know there's so many times that I stumble and fall and I mess up and I say things I shouldn't. I know we all have an understanding of that, God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. But God, thank you also for the discipline that you bring into our lives. Lord, because you love us 
so much. You will go to great strides to get us on the path as we're following after you, God. For I, for I pray there's anybody here this morning, Father. Who is hurting. If there's someone here this morning, God, who needs you, God, I pray that they could come before you. Come before your holiness. And understand where they are. Understand that our sin is separating us from you. But you sent Jesus on our behalf so that we can have a love, an agape love relationship with you, Father. God, thank you for, for who you are. We love you and praise you. And all God's people said, Amen.